Welcome to the show. I am your host, Todd Dallas-Lamb, and you're listening to On The Clock. On The Clock is a venture with the Stratagos Podcast Network, where we feature an array of guests to dive into all things education. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back to On The Clock. I am your host, Todd Dallas-Lamb. We are beginning uh, season two of On The Clock. You know, in season one, we talked to a lot of superintendents from what I would call medium to large uh, classic school districts around the country. Uh, Many of them throughout the COVID crisis where we were checking in with how they were dealing uh, with with that crisis. And as we start this year, we, we wanted to try um, to, to reach out to some, what I would call maybe non-traditional voices in education. And one of them is our host, our guest today is, is Bob Shaman, superintendent from Hardy County Public Schools in Florida, uh, a smaller rural district where they do things uh, a little bit differently perhaps than around the country. I want to get his perspective on all things education. Bob, thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate it. How are you today? We are great. My pleasure to be here. We thank you. Oh, you are welcome. Bob, tell me a little bit about Hardy County uh, and your school district. Uh, give me a little sense of who you are and who, what, who the people are, how big your district is. I uh, want to walk, in, walk, walk some folks through a, a, maybe a little different style of education than, than they might be used to? Sure. Uh, we have 5,200 students, uh, 675 employees. Uh, there's 28,000 residents, um, and we probably have about 68,000 head of cattle. So there's more of that. We have residents. Give us some, in relation to the rest of the state, where are you in Florida? Um, we are, well, everybody knows Disney World. Sure. We're 90 miles south of Disney World. We are 50 miles um, east of Bradenton, Sarasota. So we are not the uh, Florida that people know about in Orlando, Tampa, or South Beach. We are rural, agricultural, and uh, cattle and citrus. And Friday night football is what we're known for. Uh, you know, it's funny. I'm from this, roughly the same place in California, if you can believe it. Country music, pickup trucks, dirt roads, the part of California no one ever sees or hears about. Yeah, um, it- different here. It is. It is. It's what makes America great. So in most school districts around the country, the the process works like this. You you have a a board that is either appointed, elected, or some combination of the two. And if they want a superintendent um, to, to if they need to replace a superintendent, they, they get a search firm and they go out and find a superintendent, usually an academic, uh, how did you become superintendent of Hardy County Public Schools? Well, I was me and my wife came here uh, 41 years ago to teach for one year. I grew up in Miami, and she's from Huntsville, Alabama, so large cities. <laughs> uh, we thought we'd give it a try, and then we had jobs. We were going to Tampa, but then we met the kids we were working with, and then we met parents and the community. And 41 years later, we never made it to Tampa. Thank, thank goodness. Uh, it's just here in a small town. Never thought I'd spend my life in a small town, uh, but this is where we decided to stay. We raised two daughters, and um, they don't live here. They live in a large city, of course. Sure. But both both of them earned their doctorate, and it started here in kindergarten. So, what was your first job with the district? Uh, I was a band director. I did two years in Georgia, high school band director. Did twenty years here. Then I moved to assistant principal, principal, 
12 years. Uh, deputy superintendent. I got hired and did three years, and the superintendent told me when he hired me, he was retiring three years. So it was just natural for me to start thinking about running for that position. Although uh, as a principal and a band director, I was I was happy as could be. Just unlike a lot of superintendents who have that as a goal, I did not. So the superintendent role in Hardy County is an elected position. The, I think you told me that there's only a couple of states maybe that still do that. One is Tennessee. One is your, your state of, of Florida. And even within those two states, it's, it's still fairly rare. Yeah, there's not too many left. And it used to be all, all across the country. But that's ended. <clears throat> and uh, we do have an elected school board of five. But... Um, and I'm elected also. So my term lasts four years and I'm in my second second term. You know, we are seeing a lot of 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 education in the news now where boards are having issues with all manner uh, of, of politics with regards to parents who are now maybe paying a, a good bit more attention to their students, looking over their shoulders uh, for those students that are doing virtual learning. Uh, board, boards in education have, have become news now. And I wonder what, what it's like um, having a, a board that is elected right with you. You guys all uh, probably um, see each other on the campaign trail. What, what do you think the difference is between your relationship with your board and the parents that they serve versus, you know, what you're seeing in the news? Well, um, <clears throat> four of the five board members, one w- was a teacher that me and my wife worked with. The other four, either I taught, she taught, or we both taught. So when you have former students, they still feel like they're going to listen to you and yep. respect you and, They've been in your program. Um, so it's, it's really family. And one of our current board members, her father was superintendent and her sister was on the school board. But her father hired me and my wife when we first moved here. So we've known her forever. And, um, yeah, it's, you have that personal relationship and it makes it a little bit different dealing with people on the board. There's a level of respect between us all. As an elected um I'm guessing you serve a, a four-year term? Yes. And what term are you in now? I'm in my second term, second year just started. And do you so have term I'm... limits? No. So you could do this for the next 20 years if, if you so uh, chose to do? Absolutely. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how long we go, but uh, <laughs> I'll know when I'm not making uh, a difference here. And, um, I, you know, it's like anything else. Football players know when it's time to go. I'll know. Yep. I'm I'm sophisticated to know that a farming community um, probably means that um, that this breaks down along political lines. I'm guessing. Do you run uh, as uh, associated with an uh, with a party? Are you a Republican or a Democrat? Uh, I run as a Republican. Yep. The county is probably uh, sixty five to seventy percent. Yep. Except for one office in the city and the county, every elected official. Is Republican. So at some point last year, I, I'd, I'd gotten so sick of talking about COVID that I just refused to talk about it anymore when I was interviewing people. But now that we look back, um, we're, we're finding that there are different places around the world that have treated this differently with regards to how we, we, we teach our students. How 
how long did you guys take a break during the height of COVID as far as doing virtual learning, if you did it at all? And are the kids back in school with or without masks right now? Uh, you know, March 2020, uh, we all extended spring break a week to get ready. And then we did virtual March, April, and May. We get out to the end of May. The next year we came back. We made it optional, but um, we were going to have class face-to-face. So we started with 68% of the students face-to-face. By January, we we were at 90%. We finished the year at 98.6%. And now this year, um, we're back to normal. Um, We have some doing virtual, but it's less than 30. And um, we had mass optional last year. And we, we saw more students and staff, but this year we don't see that many. It's still optional. Um, that's an individual decision, but it's not required. Do you have a teacher's union that you have to work with, or are you a uh, right-to-work state? I mean, uh, I never know from state to state how that works. Uh, we have a teacher's union, and we're one of three districts in the state. We also have um, ESPs or support staff. They, same union, but they have a separate contract. So when we just finished negotiations December, and uh, so we have two contracts that we work with every year. So the teachers have not had any, given any pushback on on mask wearing? Not at all. Um, You know, the first three months in 2020 we did, um, everybody was required and we did the misters and we did everything we had. Sure. Since we came back, the end of 2020, since then, uh, we've been fine, and the COVID rate has gone up and down a little bit, um, but we didn't get a lot of kickback from staff. In fact, God bless them. We had to get on to them because they'd have symptoms, but they wouldn't tell us they wanted to come because they didn't want to miss time yep. with the kids. And, uh, you know, we kind of have to tell them, hey, you got to go home, but you got to love their their attitude and their spirit. I I, I mean, what were, the, what were your numbers like? I mean, did you have anybody that got very, very sick? Um, I mean, uh, you know, th- this affected a lot of elderly a lot differently than it affected younger people. It affected people with comorbidities more than people that were healthy. Um, did you have any moments where you ever even questioned what you were doing? I, I mean, there are a lot of places, Bob, that would look at what you're doing and, and um, take you off of uh, off of social media, <laughs> right? Like, um, and and so it's fascinating to me. And I just read, you know, that Sweden has basically never ever put a mask on kids at school and never took them out of school. Um, I think in five to ten years, we're all going to look back at this and wonder where some of us got it right, some of us um, you know made mistakes, but they were like you know, certainly understandable mistakes. Uh, I, I look forward to the day where we look back on this and, and learn some lessons for what may well be a lifetime of having these types of pandemics crop up every once in a while. Yeah. You know, we lost some, um, our veteran teachers. Yeah. Say older, um, some decided to retire yep. and, some, you know, support staff. And I get it. Um, some came back, some did not. Um, and, you know, we had, we had quite a bit of students and staff coming and going. They'd be, you know, they'd be quarantined and they'd, they'd get COVID and then they'd come back. We're still fighting that a little bit, but we gave everybody uh, 10 days extra leave last year. And we've given them another extra 10 days this year for COVID. 
And even if it's if they're not testing positive, if maybe they have kids or a spouse, you know, we're we're helping them out. We know they, they're in a difficult situation, particularly with their children, because childcare here is it's difficult to find. And even if you can find it, it's very expensive. You know, you, you bring up the fact that uh, so many of of your um the population of your of your families within Hardy County sounds like there's a ton of farming. There's more cattle than there are um, students and families. Yeah. Uh, amazing. And you, you, I always talk about this: is is that that's that was the structure by which education in America was mostly founded. We we started uh, education in this country based on an agricultural calendar and. And you're still living it. That are you aware of that? Um, do do people ask you about that when you go to conferences and you talk to somebody from from Philadelphia? Yeah, they they kind of do not understand. But <laughs> we we used to be in the area where you know strawberries are just coming up. Yep. Seeing the news, they're worried about with the freeze and losing a lot of the crop. But this part of the state's big in strawberries, among other uh, crops, and um, we'd have strawberry calendar. Basically, January, February, years and years and years ago, schools were closed because the kids had to be out there picking the strawberries. Their families could even exist. That's exactly right. Yeah. We have students now that they go out and work the cattle. And they, um, since it's been so cold the last two days, which is unusual, they got to run the pumps so the water's running to keep the plants insulated. So we have kids that get up at 3.34 in the morning and they have to work before they come to school. I've also had some migrant students uh, after school. We'd have band practice after band practice. They'd have to go out with their parents and siblings and pick crops till midnight. You know, their homework. A big topic right now is career and college readiness. What are you doing with regards to your curriculum that focuses your students on perhaps going back to the farm and and being ready to to run that from a much more sophisticated level than uh, than perhaps even their grandparents or their parents? Well, we encourage everybody to look at college as an option, and we we're increasing those numbers. A lot of our students now at the high school that are going on to college, uh, they're first generation college students. Hmm. We have a large Hispanic population and migrants, whereas twenty years ago, they couldn't even give it a thought. Now there's so much support, and we help them uh, with some of those goals that they can get into colleges. And their parents want them to look at something besides working out in the fields, working in agriculture. We've also expanded our CTE program uh, quite a bit in the last five years. There's a lot of careers out there. Um, The governor was here in town last week. Uh, He spoke and gave our local college a half million dollar donation for truck driver training. For instance, we have a alignment program for all the power companies. And you start as alignment after you go through the program in five years, you're making sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000. Same thing with these truckers. The uh, governor said there's next 10 years, over a million vacancies for truck drivers. There's a ho- over a hundred thousand right now. So those are options for our kids, but we also have a lot of them that they go on to four-year universities and they go to grad school and uh, we just, we have a little bit of everything. I'm sure. They, you you and I, we yeah. talked when I met you the very first time, you'd, you'd mentioned that you um, your, your district um, still supports uh, 
swatting kids uh, as as, a, as punishment? Is that what's called corporal punishment? Corporal punishment. Yeah. Tell me how that works. That has got to be new to some ears as we've shared this around the country. Well, you know, when we hire some new teachers or we go to recruitment fairs up north, we talk about those things and they kind of laugh. They think <laughs> we're kidding. We're not real proud of it, but it's it's an option. Yep. And, um, you know, it, we don't force that. And, but after you've been to the principal's office two or three times, enough's enough. And um, so that is an option. We don't do it as much as we used to. But we will do it more in the elementary grades, but they'll do it at upper grades. And the parents, uh, they want it. And they'll, they've asked me when I was a principal, Mr. Shaman, because uh, where will you give me an option? Two weeks yep. or two days out. No, I'm working. You tear him up and tell yeah. him when he's always getting it again. <laughs> and, you know, superintendent at the time told me that he had parents request to come to my school because he knew we were, we were going to take care of the problem, not talk about their feelings for three weeks. Yep. Try and, you know, they know right from wrong, particularly the older ones. So, um, you know, if a parent says, no, you're not going to do that, that's fine. You know, we'll, we'll look at other punishments. But, um, you know, I learned you paddle a kid once, they don't want to come back to you second time. You know, um, I, I was speaking with a friend of mine at a, at a large district uh, here on the East Coast, uh, you know, 90,000 students. And he um, he told me that one of the issues that they're seeing post-COVID uh, after the kids came back is behavioral problems like they've never seen before. Um, and, and, and I don't truly understand why that is, I, I, but I, I, you know, I have my guesses. But have you heard that around the country? Are you hearing that kids have come back um, with, with um you know, behavioral issues that, that weren't really seen and new to nearly as much as, as prior to COVID? Well, I think if they had a, enough time off, yeah, you know, at home, it's not as structured. Yep. It is structured in, in the classroom, all classrooms, and uh, there's requirements and there's expectations. And um, once you came back to us, nothing changes, you know. Yep. We, we are dealing with the mental health issues and we have some more support. Um, but you're still going to come to class on time. You're going to do the work. We we don't want to hear a lot of excuses. Um, and the kids need to know that, too. On, on mental health, one of the, the statistics, and I, I just chatted about this on a recent podcast with the mental health director for Dallas ISD. And one of the numbers that as I was doing research for uh, the show is that young girls' suicide rate is up 51% in the last two years. Uh, uh, young men are, are their numbers are up too, but not nearly to the extent that that girls. Uh, anecdotally, do you have any theories on why the heck girls are 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 engaging in destructive behavior like this more than so much more than boys? I really don't. And yeah. I saw the news: the former Miss Universe they found yesterday in New York City jumped off from the 29th floor. Wow, I did not hear that. She was working on TV as a news reporter, and um, <clears throat> I really don't know, but um, my oldest daughter works in mental health, online mental health, with youth and adolescents and families, and um, she has to deal with depression and suicides a lot, and it's increasing. In fact, that uh, suicides is the leading killer now for 18 to 30-year-olds. <laughs> So let's let's move over to maybe a, a something slightly more positive, Bob. Um, 
Okay. Uh, I'm fascinated how a music teacher um, went on into politics. Tell me a bit about music. What was your What was your first m- instrument that, that that lit the fire for you musically? I started. I was five years old. Started taking music lessons, playing percussion and the drums, and went all the way through school. By the time I got to high school, I was having two different lessons a week. Wow. Involved in all the activities and uh, majored in music ed and. Um, that was my passion, and it still is. Um, I love working with kids, and I love music, and I put the two together and became a band director. And um, we had a great, great time here, a great program. My kids worked their tails off. I had great support from the community and the administration, and I was living the dream. And, <laughs> but it was time for a new challenge. Um, and um, as much as we accomplished, um, I was in a bit of a rut, and I always knew I wanted to be an elementary principal. And a few years later, I got that opportunity, and then one thing led to another, and here you are talking to me today. I, I see the football helmets in the background of your office. If, if folks are, who are listening are also watching, they'll see that as well. Uh, that you know, football um, is such a passion in Florida. How's the football team in Hardy County? Oh, we're it's um, <laughs> Friday night. Yeah, you, know, you can you can make a lot of money by just going to homes and, and busting in because everybody's at the stadium. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just everybody goes, and um, it's a great tradition since I've been here. Uh, most of the time, uh, especially when I first got here, I mean, there'd be seven, eight, ten thousand people at the stadium, which seats about five thousand, so they're on the track. And every time we I bring the band to an away game, we pull in and. We had more people than the home stands. Do you have one high school in your one district? High, one high school. And so that's kind of a nice focus. And we were the first high school in Florida in 1921 to play a high school football game against a neighboring county, DeSoto County. So it's been now 100 years. Last year was the 100 years of the rivalry that wow. we first started playing. In fact, the first six years – we used to play the University of Florida in football. Who's the most famous football player to come out of Hardy County? Zeke Mowat played for the New York Giants, was a tight end. He played yep. at FSU. And when they won that Super Bowl in the 80s, he caught the first touchdown pass. That's incredible. Now, yeah. your thoughts on – I don't know anybody from Florida who likes football that doesn't have thoughts on these things right now. With college football – and by the way, I'm warning you, I'm about to interview former FSU president, John Thrasher, and I'm going to ask him very similar questions. Um, what do you think of college football right now with uh, paying players uh, through a name, image and likeness? It seems like something that seems fair, but also gives me great concern at the same time as someone who loves college football, who didn't think it was all that broken, you know, 10 years ago. And then also this aspect of the transfer portal where, um, you know, kid, kids, you know, we just saw Joe Burrow uh, last night on TV, uh, buried in the depth chart at Ohio State, goes to LSU, wins a Heisman, and now he's, um, you know, uh, he's, he's the talk of the town. That seems fair, too, but it also it takes away a little bit from uh, that feeling that you had about college football where these were your players and you had them for four years and they became sort of a family but, but giving them freedom also means giving up something, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think the game's changed so much in what they're doing, particularly with the transfer portal. 
it's not the game that it was. And it's gone from a team concept to a me concept. And uh, now don't tell President Thrasher where I went to school, but I went to Miami. <laughs> and after I left, uh, at one time, uh, their quarterbacks were um, Jim Kelly, Vinny Testaverde, Vinny, yep. Bernie Kosar. They waited there and they had two others, um, but they waited their time and they got their turn and they all ended up in the NFL and had pretty good careers. Yep. And um, But now it's, if I don't start, I'm out of here. So there's like no allegiance to the coaches that recruited you. There's no allegiance to your teammates. Um, now, if I'm sitting on the bench at the University of Nebraska, I might have a different thought. I might yep. want to go somewhere else. But now it's changed the face of recruiting so much. And um, it's, it's, it's turning into a minor league. You know, before we thought a lot of players were interested in getting a degree, and now it's more like I'm just getting ready for the NFL. Yeah, I mean, at, you know, at Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, they really are there for the pros. And I can't say as I blame them. I mean, they are recruited for that kind of thing. Uh, but I guess we're old fashioned and uh, we still want to value what we think is a pretty great value, which is going to college for free. But um, the times are changing, are they not? Uh, you know, I went to Miami and um, I was on music scholarship and I was thrilled. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was, you know, more than I ever could have dreamed of. And I was so appreciative and um, but you know, I'm, I'm not going to the NFL. Uh, you know, it, it's easy for me to criticize, but exactly hey, right. These well, guys, it's up to them. Well, Bob Shaman, uh, thank you so much. I, I, I can't tell you how much, um, I value, uh, what you do. Um, you, you are in, um, a, a small, wonderful area of Florida that I think a lot of people fly over or drive by and don't get an appreciation of the family, the community um, that you serve. I, I particularly am just fascinated by the fact that you are elected by the people um, and, and you, you have 15-minute board meetings. I, I'm sure there's some people that listen to this that will be quite jealous uh, of just that fact alone. Thank you so much for being on the clock and really appreciate it. I look forward to seeing you in person very soon and uh and take care thanks todd we appreciate it thank you bob if you want to learn more about the show please visit www.strategosgroup.com please consider subscribing on your podcast streaming platform so you don't miss out on our next episode and until next time i'm todd dallas lamb signing off <laughs>